Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Collingwood Conversations. We're joined by a former Collingwood player. He was drafted under the father-son rule. He played in the 2002 uh, unfortunate grand final, but a successful season nonetheless for Collingwood. His name is Nick Davis. Thanks for joining us. And how's your day going so far? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's not too bad up here uh, in Sydney. Um, normal Sydney winter's day at the moment, though. Plenty of rain, but uh, no, all good here. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm up in Tweed Heads. It's freaking raining for days the last few days. It's yeah. awful. You guys are yeah, missing no. out, mate. Yeah, no. The, 25 uh, degrees. Yeah. It's, um, the weather all around the country is a bit um, bit upside down. Except in Melbourne, it's not too bad. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, in Perth, mate, 25 degrees and not a cloud in the sky. It's an absolute oh, cracker. Mate, can you send that <laughs> over yeah, here, yeah, please? That's okay, but now yeah. you guys are locked inside. So, bad luck. Are we? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. So we'll get started with the first few questions. First of all, what was it like being drafted in into the AFL under the father son rule? Yeah, it was um it was good. It was an interesting path into into the AFL um with with the father son rule. Um growing up in Sydney and um playing a lot of different sports and but always had the AFL influence with dad who was obviously played at Collingwood as well. So to have that influence there um, and then probably I think it was sort of 15 or 16 when sort of came on the radar of the sort of, of the Collingwood um, recruiters and um, yeah. And then it was sort of a process there knowing that the father son rule was there that um, you know, once we sort of both committed to, to going down that path um, and, and being able to, to have that probably didn't have the, excitement of the draft day that some of the kids get but um the the knowledge and the surety that i was going to be able to go to collingwood and, and start my afl career was was really good yeah for sure uh, and it's just falling down that's all good um but yeah that's honestly it, it would have helped with a bit of um the a bit of the unknown in the gray areas in afl with the father son rule when they've said yeah we've committed you know that would have been a, a bit of a guarantee for you for your peace of mind and then when you got to collingwood what was it like uh look i was sort of lucky with the with the uh, we spoke about with the father son rule and then um sort of the back end of my under 17s and then under 18s um tac cup where i was playing for the new south wales act team Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to look, come down in the school holidays and, and train um, with the, the senior Collingwood team. And then also the back end of that year, I think I played seven or eight games in the reserves um, the year before I was like technically drafted. So um, I was able to, you know, get my, my foot in the door there and understand what it was like to be around the guys and, and training um, at that stage. So yeah, it wasn't, sort of from draft day, it sort of wasn't like super fresh coming in. I'd sort of had a, a, a bit of an idea of what was going on. Gotcha. And yeah, as you said, you would have already known the playing group to some extent by the time you'd got in, got your foot in the door after being drafted, which would have definitely helped a lot more so for you. And um, during your time at Collingwood and also the Swans, did you have any pregame routines or rituals? And if not, who had the weirdest one? <laughs> um. Oh, no, I didn't really have too many um, of those things. I remember, I do remember my first game uh, at Collingwood was round one in in 1999. Um, Mm So I debuted there in round one and my housemates, um, Tarkin Lockyer, Ben Kinnear and Michael Gardner, they were playing in the reserve. So um, they took off early to the game and uh, I sort of, I didn't know sort of where to park or anything at the MCG. It was was just a massive... (laughs) 
I was lucky I even found my way to the change rooms for my first game. <laughs> was they that all um that all taken off and I I was in, I said see I was eighteen, didn't really know how to tie a tie up and all that sort of thing. So I got myself to the game. But look probably oh I didn't really have um too many superstitions really. Um I like to sort of keep it pretty relaxed. Yeah. A couple of the like, a couple of the Swans boys were like Jason Ball used to get pretty like violently ill before a game, just sort of oh, nerves shit. and yep. Gary Rowan was the same. I didn't play with Gaz, but Gary Rowan was a bit the same. So no, nah, not I was um I was pretty crazy. Um probably the most fastidious person was Goodsy. Adam Goods had the he was pretty uh structured with his stuff. He's he seems like he had like that sort of had to have everything like done, done, done sort of thing, ready to go to be able to go on the field for him sort of Yeah, thing. he's pretty close to the Raphael Nadal with the drink bottles and all that sort of yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I'd, take, to... and, I'd take, and I'd take pleasure in knocking him over. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was wow. good to see uh, Adam Goods back at the Swans over the weekend. Yeah it, was. It, yeah, it was. And it, it's something he's still quiet Look, with, with obviously he's in sort of two of the the, the premiership you know chat whatsApp groups that you have and look to the to the boys he's still very um he, he's still very engaged but yeah with the broader AFL community a little bit different so hopefully yeah. um he had a good weekend yeah yeah I mean because I know last week I, I was just touching on Adam Goods real quick for a second they he mentioned that it was due to a previous commitment that he couldn't make it on the day but he made it to the dinners and all that but then he ended up being able to make it on the day which is again really great to see because you hate to see a legend like that uh, feel like he's on the outer of the AFL when he really is an absolute legend yeah he is and look you, you probably take it a little bit for granted um being a teammate of his for so long and, and, and playing in all these games with him that um that that how great he was and um I think everyone outside the 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 four walls of the Swans knows how great he is and yeah it, it's for someone that is um that, that was so good and on and off the field yeah hopefully he can uh, he can find his way back in. Yeah absolutely and speaking of your time at Collingwood and the Swans, uh who was the biggest pest of a teammate? <laughs> oh in uh, at Collingwood, probably the biggest pests were. Well, we probably had. Well, I was pretty young then, and we had. We were a pretty young group actually. Probably Chris Tarrant and Mel Michael. They were. They were sort of one house that uh, we had. Sort of house wars going there for a little bit, sort of pranking <laughs> each other. But yep. Chris and Chris and Mel were probably the biggest pests at at um, at Collingwood, and then up here, Hawley was a bit of a pest, but no one would want to, you know. Get wanna, yeah, we'd want to argue with him. <laughs> Everyone was just sort of okay with him being a pest. So it was sort of not a. <laughs> you just sort of copped it and moved on. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I've got one last question before I pass it off to um, yep. Keezy for his, and then we'll go through Shippers and Huddos together. My my question is: You played in two thousand and two and the two thousand and five Grand Finals. Obviously, very vastly different outcomes. You know, one unfortunately being a loss, and one being a win. Looking back on it both looking back on both as a former player what takeaways do you have from each aside from the obvious being one being a win and one being a loss yeah um i think the the 2002 grand final um like that whole final series was um and even the back end of the year being we, we were such a young side and um we sort of got swept up with the emotion of it all and and probably even for myself I, on, on grand final day, the same thing. And 
by the time the grand final came around and you do the parade and all that sort of stuff and, and the support from the Collingwood people was like ridiculous but we, I think we were, we were just buggered by the end of it and yeah. we went to Port and went to Adelaide and, and beat Port there and then the, the come from behind in the in the Crows prelim and then there was the stuff with Cloakie with the suspension and all that and there was just so much going on and um, we look who knows if I think everyone that probably listens to this podcast will agree with me that um, that Peb's goal was a goal or point was a goal and it, it was um, yeah and um, oh, look I, we just come up against one of those teams and um, yeah we give it our best shot maybe we we're running on empty there at the end but for me the grand final day I think um, it just felt like it went forever like yeah. you, you got there to the ground like, by the time it was uh, parades and all that sort of stuff and well wishes and and like being what was I think 21 22 um being able to have another go again quite recently um in 2005 with the swans uh it was a lot different given the fact being up here in sydney and being sheltered away from from that stuff so much really did make my the the difference between 02 and 05 was that really is that up in sydney um you know, sort of had the back of the the semi final stuff and 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 then look, you could just cruise around town in Sydney and uh, really gave yeah. shit yeah. until we won, and then and then everyone lost their yeah. head. So um, yeah. yeah, that was probably the biggest difference. That's fair. And Casey, mate, I'll pass it off to you for your questions. All right, cheers, CJ. Um, just growing up as a the son of a gun, uh, how did you deal with all the expectations? There would have been uh, plenty of expectations during your junior career. So how did you deal with all that? Yeah, there was, and again, probably growing up, and I, I didn't start playing like actual AFL until I was thirteen. My my first under team was under thirteens, but I'd always had AFL footies with dad and and stuff. So I'd always played AFL, but um, yeah, it, and and growing up in Sydney, um, it, it probably was a bit different. And then once you sort of you know establish yourself in the juniors up here, and people sort of knew who you were there. There was a, there was a bit of um, a, a bit of pressure there because the teams were sort of so sparse, like good players in Sydney junior footy were sort of were pretty sparse. But I mean, in saying that, I was <laughs> the, the junior teams and the Sydney rep teams that I grew up in, it was myself, Lenny Hayes, Mark McVeigh, um, Dean Solomon was at Broken Hill. He played New South Wales with us, uh, Craig Bolton. So, we also, uh, it was a pretty good time to be a, a junior footy player in Sydney. But yeah, there was it was expectations. A lot of the expectations come from uh, Dad would sort of umpire the games, and me and him would sort of just get into a verbal slanging match <laughs> out there, where I thought I probably deserved a free yeah. kick, and the preferential treatment was uh, was quite the opposite. Mm. <laughs> oh, I, I think he's I think he's cut out for a second. Um. If so, I'll, I'll just I'll handle this. Oh no, there we go. So you froze for a second there, Casey. Uh, go for your second question. So, um, yeah. So you have growing up in Sydney. Obviously, you had you've got experience in um, like different sports. You know, rugby, I say you played a bit of uh, rugby nines, and and you're a big golf fan. Um, you had a big kick on you as well. Did you ever contemplate sort of joining the, or did you get offered um, a spot? overseas in the NFL like as a kicker um you know what sort of uh experiences did you have with um other sports yeah um yeah I played golf as, as a as a kid and um 
I probably got to 15 or 16 and had, um, you know, and sort of got to the fact where like tournaments get a few more than just a day and then, and, and training sessions and whatnot cross over. And I had, um, had some stuff going on sort of in the background. Um, it's also sort of some people had some sort of social anxiety sort of thing. So for me to, um, the, the team sport, sort of helped me with that a lot more where standing up on the on the first tee by myself and the and the social anxiety stuff that that I had there um was sort of um was a bit hard so um yeah I've always been a been a, a golfer played a bit of basketball um but um no I did when I finished um at the Swans I went and did a little bit of a pre-season at Brisbane Lions but I'd sort of you know run my race in the AFL and I'd sort of had enough and um, I went over to to the states and I did um, um, some preseason tryouts at the San Diego Chargers and and had a little oh, bit wow. of success there and had an opportunity to go back and, and it all sort of fell through. But um, yeah, no, I, I did explore that. Um, I did explore that. Yeah, nice. That'd have been a interesting. It's a it's a complete different setup over in the states. Yeah, what was the system here, like? Yeah, what was the system like over there? Yeah, so there's a, there's a few sort of companies in Australia that that sort of scout for the the people in America, and um, I did some training and, and was kicking the ball okay. Went over to the states to Reno, Nevada. There was a kicking and 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 punting, um, not horse racing, but punting um, <laughs> yeah. uh, camp over there, and spent uh, three weeks there, sort of sort of intense training, and then the last few days the scouts from all the teams come in and um, you just, they all sit in the grandstand. It's like a, a draft combine and, and they all come and sit there. And the, the best thing about Reno is, and I, the scouts know it too, but it's at altitude. So you kick it a little bit further. And um, <laughs> yep. um, so they all sit up there in the grandstand and you sort of kick and then you, you walk off and then you just hope someone walks down and gives you a card and tells you a flight to get on. And I was lucky enough that the, the special teams coach at the Chargers gave me a card, and there yeah, the next day I was on a flight down to from Reno where it was snowing to San Diego where it was it was quite nice and <laughs> driving around in Hummers and all that sort of stuff. But it was um, it was a good experience. Met um, all the guys. Philip Rivers was a quarterback there, and I think the thing that helped me is Darren Bennett was a was a punter there yep. you know a few years before me. And as soon as they sort of heard the so I met Philip Rivers and I said, oh, G'day, mate. How are you? He goes, oh, another Aussie guy. Sweet. You can cook the team barbecue. So, <laughs> I had a, so basically, I, I had a job anyway, just cooking barbecues. So how come you didn't chase that uh, avenue? Yeah, I, it, was a, it was a dual role and probably came up with my um, NRL background that, to do the field goals as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I became good mates with a guy at the at the combine, and he was a, a field goal kicker, and, and I was a punter, and we were just sort of mucking around for who would pay for dinner that night. And I said, oh, "I'll be able to knock over a forty yard field goal easy." And he's like, "Well, not telling him that I'd played rugby league and like a conversion, and yeah. knocked it over." And the guy from the camp sort of came over, and he was like, "Oh, you know that you can do both positions. You don't just have to do one. And if you can do both, then it's a roster spot, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. it was more, the punting was fine. That was ticked off. Uh, the selling point for the charges was the field goals. And um, you know, I had another six months to work at it and then just sort of had a child and, and just sort of life went on. That's yeah. All. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so after you left Collingwood and went to Sydney, what was it like? 
uh, playing against the Pies for the first time. But, oh, good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember it. I remember it. And, yeah, look, it, it was hard. And remember the hardest thing about, and we spoke about the 2002 grand final loss, was I really hoped that we won because that would have made my decision a lot easier. And I, and I, I probably would have stayed. Um I know it's easy to say now all those years down the track and probably doesn't mean anything, but I think that's probably the reason why I was so upset when we got beat was I was like, oh, now that makes me have to actually probably make a decision where if we had won the 2002 grand final, it would have been like super hard to to leave. And um, so sort of went through all that stuff and it was quite hard and, you know, you can't sort of have everything you both way and both ways. And I was able to get back to Sydney and probably didn't sort of get to, you know, have the goodbye that I, I sort of wanted for, for a few people at Collingwood. And then I sort of knew that the game was, was coming up at, um, I think it was Telstra Dome at, at that stage. And it was, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting night. Um, it was, uh, I'm glad sort of there weren't too many microphones out there, but <laughs> I think I was able to, Probably didn't. I again didn't probably have my best game, but I think I kicked a goal at the end and give everyone in the crowd a bit of a serve. But we, yeah. look, I knew that game was coming up, and um, it was one that sort of I was glad that the Swans were able to win, and I was glad that we could sort of get it over and done with. But I think they're long memories, these guys, and I think every time we played them, I copped it. Yep. <laughs> did, you, did you get more from over the fence or from on the field? <laughs> uh, a bit of both. Yeah. A bit of both. I knew he to stay clear. I actually, I did some. I ran into Scotty Burns accident, accidentally on purpose. And as soon as I did it, I was like, oh, that was the wrong person. But um, no, it was all, it was all, you know, it, it was all pretty good. Yeah, nice. Um, so did you have any rivals, like personal rivals during your career? Someone that really pissed you off? Um, not really, but I got to play on a lot of you know good defenders. It was sort of when I went back and played against Collingwood, it was sort of James Clement, and then at West Coast, Drew Banfield, um, at uh, at at Western Bulldogs, I normally get um, Dimitina or someone like that. It was sort of then Andy McKay and Anthony Francina at Carlton. So um, Damien Hardwick when he played for Port. So I probably got. Uh, Mark Chaffee, Chris Newman, um, sort of all those, those sort of pretty good small defenders. I got a, a bit of you know rivalry you know, against those guys. Nothing, probably the biggest rivalry that we sort of had was um, for me for the longevity of the career was the West Coast, the West Coast stuff really for for Sydney. Yeah, yeah, there was some um, some serious games those Sydney yeah, West Coast, games. especially yeah. around that time for sure. Yeah, yeah that was insane. Were. Yeah. Um, so I always like to ask one a uh, little bit more about the off-field side of things. You, you sort of played during a time where off-field shenanigans were a, a little bit <laughs> a more um, happening a little, little bit more often. Who, who's the best off the field? Who, who would you give your three votes, your three, two, one off the field for the Pies, Sydney, and even at Fox Sports now that you're... <laughs> now that you're <laughs> Fox Sports, yeah. Um, yeah. Scotty Cummings is pretty good. Yep. Scotty Scotty Cummings was pretty good. Um yeah, he was good at um at Collingwood. He was he was pretty good there. Um yeah, Fox Sports. I haven't really done too much with the Fox Sports guys, but Scotty <laughs> was good. Uh in Sydney, Mickey O. Yep. Mickey oh, yeah. O was yeah, he was he was pretty good, Mick, probably. Yeah. So in regards to those, Jason Ball. 
Um, he was pretty good. So, yeah, probably uh, at Collingwood, Scotty Cummings, Chris Tarrant, Mal, they were all pretty good there. And then, yeah, it was um, at, uh, at Sydney. Yeah, it's definitely Mick with the three at Sydney. He was he's outstanding <laughs> off-field Mick. Yeah. Yeah, wow. awesome. <laughs> that's an awesome question. Honestly, I didn't. I, I forgot that he'd put that in the list, and that's amazing. Um, thank yeah. you, uh, Casey, for those. And I'll go through in uh, quick fire order with shippers' questions, and then I'll give yep. um, the floor to Casey to finish off with Hutto's questions. So, um, shipper wants to know a question. What are you up to these days? Um, uh, coaching director at the the Swans and the and the Swans Academy. So in charge of, I think at the moment, we've got sort of six, set, nearly 700 kids, boys and girls now with the Swans getting a, pardon me, an AFLW team. So, yep. um, yeah, we've got plenty of um, plenty of kids to coach there and a coaching director sort of setting the curriculum and, and making sure that the coaches that we've got, because we go from Wollongong all the way up to, you know, Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. So uh, we've got yeah, plenty of kids and, and, and plenty of coaches to work to worry about there so no, my uh, my time is full yeah awesome um and obviously longevity in sport is is a key thing and you retired uh, a while back but you also come back for a stint in 2019 <laughs> for oh, sorry 2020 with the roosters for the nrl nines how's the how was the body after that day like how'd you how'd it feel how'd it pull up yeah it was um that was an interesting one it um it was sort of after the the Roosters twenty nineteen grand final. Yeah. Um, well, the back to back eighteen nineteen. Yeah, eighteen nineteen, and then I was um, doing the um, some kicking coaching there, uh, and still do at the at the Roosters, and um, we're sort of sitting the the tail end of a week long of celebration of a, of back to back premierships, and um, as I think as a footy manager, I was talking to Robbo and said, "Oh, look, we've got a." going to work on Monday and, and sort out what's happening because the World Club Challenge was the week after the nines. Mm-hmm. And they sort of wanted to make sure that they, they, they got the main team over to World Club Challenge. And they were like, oh, we need like a promotion or a gimmick or someone that you know, the, the NRL will let us release some players. And week long into a piss drinking session, I've gone, oh, I'll play for you. I'll play if you want. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and never thought anything about it. Um, after that comment, until the week after, what was um, the Adam Goods you know, debacle a text like message as, from as the, the footy manager going, "Oh, not sure if you're serious about the about <laughs> playing in the nines, but we've already gone ahead and spoke to the NRL because it was in Perth. Yep. Um, and they think it's a good idea as long as you pass sort of um fitness, fitness tests and all that sort of stuff. It's and I was like, oh man, how the fuck am I going to get out of this now? <laughs> And then the week after that, I ran into Robbo um, just just casually. And I was like, hey, Coach, how you going? He's good, mate. He goes, oh, I've been thinking more about that nine stuff. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, oh, yeah, he's going, mate, what are you quite seriously? Don't do it. He goes, look, I think it's a great idea. I think it's great for you. I think it would be great for the young guys. You'll be able to lead him because I'll be at World Club Challenge. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get out of this now. <laughs> and then... Well, I spoke to Robbo a bit more and he's like, look, just this was sort of September, October. They went back to training in November and he's like, look, just sort of, you'll be at training anyway, coach, and just jump in the back of some drills and see how you're feeling. If you start feeling scratchy and then we can just, we won't say anything to anyone and we'll, we'll just pull you out. And we sort of go all the way through to Christmas and the boys kept wondering why I was just always turning up 
in the drill yeah. and a couple of the boys and they're like what are you doing and i said oh and this was the last draw if I, once i told the roosters boys the players that i was going to play if they said it was a dumb idea then i was going to pull the pin on it but yeah. um they were like nah man that's and that's a great idea so then i was committed in and um it was it was great it was a, it was a good experience to do something that i'd done as a kid and play rugby league and to to come out alive was um yeah. was you know like a like a pretty massive bonus. That's I, awesome. I, I, I didn't care if I scored it. Like everyone's like, oh, you really want to score a try? I was like, no, nah, I just don't want to become a meme. I just do yeah. not want to be. <laughs> folded. Like, that was that, yeah. That was my only yeah. thing. I just didn't want to be a highlight for getting folded. Yeah. Yeah. No, and you didn't, which is amazing. However, no, I didn't. I a didn't. very I didn't. a very big highlight of your career was take us through that quarter. Yeah. One of the all-time great finals quarters. Uh... Yeah, it was. Um, look, it, it's obviously something that I've spoken a lot, a lot of about course. Um, <laughs> because I didn't do a hell of a lot else. But um, it, it's definitely something that uh, you know is, is pretty special. And, and that night, and as you spoke about those games and against West Coast, and we played them in the in the qualifying, and you know we thought we probably did enough to win and. Um, didn't and then go back to the SCG and, and to win that way and to uh, kick the last four goals of the game and, and if we didn't go and then you know, people don't realise I think we kicked seven unanswered goals in the prelim yeah. final against St Kilda as well I think we were yeah, eight did. points behind and and rolled over them too and then the, for the grand final to be that way that it, it sort of wouldn't have been as special if we didn't win the if we didn't win the grand final and it probably does get talked about a lot more than than the grand final and Leo's Martin and some of the other things. So, look, I'm I'm glad it happened. It certainly look I probably wouldn't be able to do some of the media stuff and stuff that I do if um, without YouTube and and being somewhat relevant to something yeah. that was actually good. Yeah, Casey more or less covered this question, but I'll I'll ask her for Shipper. He wants to know who was your toughest opponent. Yeah, look, it probably was Damien Hardwick actually uh, for for Port. Um, we both Collingwood and Sydney, um, we we played big finals games in um, in Adelaide against Port, two qualifying finals, and and won them both. And and um, yeah, it was probably Damien Hardwick. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. No, that's oh, sorry. I just was brain fighting hard. You yeah, know, that's it, it's so incredible to hear. Like you were, you, you mentioned quite a few at the time. But you're like, you know, actually on second thought, one player in particular just gave you a hard time in the sense of. Yeah, it's so interesting to hear and find that out. And I'll pass it off to um, Keezy to ask Hutto's questions. Um, how much did re-signing with the club sort of set you back? And was that something that you regretted pretty soon? Or, or was that something that you just sort of dealt with? No, I didn't. Um, like I said, look, it was sort of a, a fairly long not a long process, but something that had always been happening with the father-son rule. So I, I was sort of invested in, in the club for a long time. And um, yeah, and look, and then there was the, the initial two-year contract and, and then the second two-year contract. And then the one that was on the table, I think was probably, I think it was four years, um, which was probably pretty long at, at that stage. It's not long now. They, they signed them yeah. for 15 yeah. years. But at that stage, it was probably... Uh, um, a fairly long contract and like I said it would sort of come down to the back end of that 2002 season where um, I thought probably halfway through the season that yeah I wanted to go back but then we, we just started winning and 
Um, I felt a lot more settled and, and bought a place. And I, look, I lived around the corner from Mick and, um, yeah. And Did you carpool with Mick? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I did a few times for for away games. Um, yeah, Mick had come and, um, Mick had come and um, pick me up and we'd go to the airport together. And then, oh, mate, that, that's probably the hardest. Like, Mick was so, so good to me in regards to, like, I had a, I was living with a, with a partner and, and we busted up and I went and lived at Mick's house for a few weeks because oh, I had wow. nowhere wow. to go. And um, that's probably the hardest part and why I think deep down he was so angry when I, and, and gave me a, a cook when I left because um, yeah, the, because of those other things that people sort of didn't know about and see about yeah. that, that um, yeah, I, I was close with his, with his young boys. Cause yeah, I lived around the corner and um, but yeah, look, I was probably, yeah probably more just hoping and wishing that we won in 02 because then it would have made the choice a lot easier yeah you're always going to be part of football folklore after the goal and performance in the semi-final against Geelong is it still something that you remember vividly today yeah I do um I I, look there's a lot of them as you said we just sort of gone through the 2012 Swans Premiership reunion and I was sort of involved in in coaching there and even the I think I played like whatever, however many games you play. And when you get back with everyone, you don't really remember the specifics of a lot of games. But I think because this one's been replayed a lot, um, it, it helps jog the memory a lot. So um, no, I, I look, no, I do remember it. I do remember it pretty well. Um, after the game, not so well. I don't remember too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so much happens the, in the game. Yeah, the celebrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The night yeah. after, I don't remember a lot of because it was a Friday night. It was probably Saturday. I don't remember a lot much of that either. But um, no, I do remember that game um, very vividly, actually. And it's been interesting how that just on that night, then, yep, it's, it's important that you win and go on. And then, then that, pardon me, evolved into uh, a premiership. And then just even like the people, if you go to the SCG and People will come up to you and go that haven't seen you or since that day and go, oh, I remember where I was sitting or I remember I was camping somewhere or I remember I was this, that, and um, sort of what it made to um, everyone in um, not only myself on that night, but to sort of everyone else that, that might have been there or, or has a memory from it as well, yeah. You're also part of a side that broke a massive premiership drought for Sydney. You guys got to celebrate with the fans and, and sort of feel how much it meant to them. Yeah, that was good. That was good. And again, again it was different sort of um, a Sydney one. Uh, we, we sort of yeah, stayed in Melbourne on Sunday night, came back, and there was a big um, there was a big sort of reception at the SCG, and we all went back to the SCG, and that was great. And then. I remember we sort of, they said, all right, we were, there, there's going to be a street parade from Circular Quay up George Street. Um, wow. I think it was on a Wednesday. And, and we were like, like, what if no one turns up? Like, <laughs> it's <just laughs> yeah, because it's Sydney, it's NRL town. The most embarrassing thing. And it was NRL grand final week. And um, yep. it was like, this is going to be like the most embarrassing thing ever. And we we're like, you really want to do this parade? And they're like, yeah, no, we'll have a parade. And yeah, parade. The streets were full and it was it was yeah. really good actually. So um yeah, it um yeah, to sort of be a, a, a part of that final series and then to and to win a premiership and sort of get the monkey off the family back a little bit too, because dad had the he had one at Carlton, 
the three at Collingwood that he lost, and then I lost in '02. So there was a bit of a there was a bit, a bit of a curse start, yeah, starting to um, starting to appear. You're a part of the 2002 Magpies group that came from seemingly out of nowhere to almost steal a grand final. Was a feeling early on with the playing group that you were thereabouts, or is that just something? Yeah, we did, and look, there was probably a few games early on in the season where. And we'd always been lucky because you get that Collingwood, you get the Anzac Day and you get the big Carlton Collingwood and, and you play in front of big crowds. And we just sort of got on a bit of a run. And then, um, yeah, we were a pretty young side and Mick was obviously coaching as well. And the best thing, uh, the biggest thing I remember is was more the Collingwood people and the Collingwood fans telling us how good we were. And we were like, and we sort of just went, Oh, well, fair enough. You're telling us we're this good then the way we went. And it was the youthful, of, yeah, the, the youthful exuberance sort of kicked in and we just sort of kept doing whatever we were doing and we kept winning games. And, um, yeah, we did get on a, a fair bit of a roll. And then no, I do remember that that first final over in um, in, in Adelaide was something, you know, pretty special. And the, um, the, the, the biggest game and the loudest game I've ever, ever been involved in with – purely not a neutral crowd was the prelim final against Adelaide. Like it was like, it was chockers. It was like whatever it was, 80, 90,000. And it was 70, 80,000 Collingwood people. There wasn't a lot of um, Adelaide people in the crowd. And um, I'm going to keep the goal right at the end. And then Alan Didak kicked one and the joint just went fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, and then we, that's when we sort of knew we we're, were in the grand final and we we're starting to talk on the ground. We're coming back next week and, and and that's sort of where the whole week sort of started, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that would have been uh, extra special, especially after um, so many tough years during the 90s, mid to late 90s, the lack of success for the Pies. So I could imagine that would have been electric. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, and I said, I sort of missed, sort of watched the early 90s and then sort of the back end of the 90s and played, was around the club in sort of a bit of 97 and then, 98, sort of dipping the toes in, playing some reserves, still playing under-18s. And then 99, sort of, yeah, struggling through that season. And, and then um, sort of when Mick came on in 2001, the, the change sort of really started, yeah. Yeah, Two, nice. Sorry, 2000. Yeah, nice. Uh, Keezy, mate, I don't think we sh- we need to do Hutto's last question because that's he covered the Roosters, NRL 9s Yeah, and that. it's been covered. Yeah. yeah, but is there any other questions you have for him? Hmm. Um. Did you grow up a Collingwood supporter? Good Obviously, question. The old man from, yeah, good question. The old man played for a few clubs. So. Yeah. <laughs> and what NRL club as well? Yeah. yeah um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I grew up um, – so I grew up in Cronulla. So I grew yeah. up a Sharks I grew fan. up a Sharkies. I was a Sharkies fan. Uh, big ET. I was a big ET man. Um, yep. So, uh, no, I grew up a Sharkies fan. And then, I said, when, when we sort of moved here, I was four or five and then – yeah, in the Shire, I was, I was Sharks and um, Swans weren't much good. And sort of, it, it was before the, so definitely social media and, and definitely sort of subscription TV. So there wasn't a lot of footy on. And when I got back into footy, it was sort of 91, 92. So I ended up being a bit of a bandwagon West Coast fan there for a while. Oh, no. And, um, which, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with uh, the irony with Nick coming in and coaching me and, and how much I enjoyed that. But yeah, when I look, there was obviously a, a, a soft spot for Collingwood. And then when you're sort of 15 years old and you make a stat, and then the 
Collingwood, the best thing was that, you know, I think Collingwood was Puma King. I'd, I'd get the Collingwood Puma King tracksuit sent up to me and all that yeah. when I was 15. I thought I was yeah. killing it. So um, <laughs> once I sort of got the, the bag and the gear and all that, then I, yeah, I, I quickly switched over. The Spices paper logo. Yeah, on the yeah, 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 yeah. The Spices paper yeah. and the Puma King and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, once I got that, I was um, I was pretty entrenched and ready to go. Nice. Um, I've got uh, two last questions for you. Uh, the first of which is obviously being drafted under the father-son rule. We've already covered that. But um, how did your dad react when, you know, when you both found out it's official, you've been drafted under the father-son rule? Yeah, he was wrapped. Um yeah, as, as it was, it was um, yeah, it was a few years in the pipeline, and and as much as he never pushed me to play AFL, and he never pushed me to to be father son, I could see deep down how proud, how excited yeah. he was. He's he's a Collingwood man, and he and even when I was when I moved back to Sydney, he was still he he, he supported he he cheered for me, but supported Collingwood sort of thing. Yeah. So um, I I knew deep down how important it was, and probably the hardest choice. And if I, I won't say I regret it, but um, my hardest choice, when I got to Collingwood, when I played um, in the reserves, I can't remember what number I, what number I was. And then when I got to Collingwood, Graham Wright had retired. So number 19 was available. And also number seven was, which yep. was what I had dad's number um, that he played in. And I had mum's favourite number, which was seven. So that was, yep. a, big, that was, a, that was a big choice there that... Um, that I had to make, and look, I knew how much it meant to to dad, and I I, I know the um, the the AFL and family and heritage and stuff is super important, and especially at at a club like like Collingwood and, and the Shores and whatnot. So um, yeah, no, I went with nineteen. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's awesome to hear. And last question I've got is, what advice would you give to any youngsters who obviously have aspirations to make it in in any sport, but AFL in particular? Um. Oh, follow your dreams and don't let anyone tell you that you that you can't do it. Um, I, I think a lot of people, um, and it takes a lot of hard work. And, and sort of in my coaching now, I talk to the to the kids, and it's different when I was a, a kid or a, a young Collingwood player or a Swans player, what it is now, and the distraction and and all that stuff. But if you want to be an AFL footballer, you need to have a footy in your hands more than your iPhone. That's what that's the best <laughs> yeah. piece of advice yeah. I can I can give it's these easier. kids. I had a I had a footy in my hands flat out and maybe one thing with my goal kicking, because I had my old man to kick with, but not a lot of my mates could kick the footy up here in Sydney. It wasn't an AFL thing. So I had a heap of footies and a set of rugby league goals and I just kicked goals all day really and that's yep. how I got my footy and um, yeah, a piece of advice to a young kid now would be, yeah, have a footy in your hand more than your iPhone. 